So hello and welcome to episode 12 of Laughing Into the Void. I'm your host, Tom, and co-hosting with me, as always, is the lovely Rosalind Paris. You can watch Hi. our... Mm. You can watch our previous broadcasts on the District Comedy YouTube and Facebook channels or listen to them on most podcast platforms. If you enjoy the stream, please consider making a donation of any size at district-comedy.live. Um, alternatively, like, share, and subscribe to our stuff, as that also helps. Uh, I just want people to see our beautiful show. Um, but here with us today, I am so excited, we have Aaron Moore. Aaron is an LA-based comedian who is also transgender, and you can find out more about her on her website at AaronMoreMohr.com or follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Aaron Moore Comedy. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi! Welcome! Hey. Thank you. Yeah, oh, I'm excited yeah. to be here. Thanks for having me. We did it. We're live. The stress is out of the way. Everything's easy from this point. Um, I'm so happy to have you here. Also because, uh, well, you're on the good side of the time difference right now, correct? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, the sun's just setting right now. I can kind of watch it out there. Okay, beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Um, then we're just going to get started. Uh, we kind of start every show the same uh, by asking our guests, um, how would you describe your sense of humor to someone who has never seen you perform? Um, I guess it's a bit silly and kind of light on the surface, but um, with some kind of uh, political and biting social commentary underneath. Um, you know, like a little bit about, you know, uh, gender politics and, oh, you know, queer culture and, and all that kind of fun stuff. All the, all the light stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stuff everybody likes here and, you know, uh, uh, likes talking about. Uh, but I, 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 I like to keep it kind of silly and light you know i like wordplay i like i mean i'm i'm not ashamed to like puns i like puns i don't think there's anything wrong with that i'm a big pun fan uh myself um which is kind of interesting because i don't believe you have uh, a background in the liberal arts correct you come from an it background I worked, um, I, I actually, I graduated in, from Kent State in uh, Kent oh. State University. Yeah, bang, bang. Yeah. I survived. I survived. <laughs> I should get a t-shirt that says I survived Kent State. You don't look old enough to have survived well, you know. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I actually know somebody, I met somebody, I used to be like a, a do political protests and stuff. And so I met one of the people who got shot that day. Oh. Was it Alan something? Yes, Alan Canfora. Yes. Okay, so I had... Oh, my God. <laughs> this is super side part. This is... Uh, <laughs> uh, so I had a college professor who was, like, a really strict far-right, like, far-right guy in the 60s, and then Kent State happened, and it, like, warped his whole, whole worldview, and he flipped it, and so every single year he taught a course about communications but he always framed it around the kent state massacre and he had like interviewed alan canfor and like 
made us all learn all sorts of facts about it. So I can spit that stuff out off the top of my head because <laughs> of you, Dr. Kane, if you're out there. <laughs> if, if you're watching this, thanks. Um, <laughs> it came in handy. That's it did. Amazing. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, my, yes, school. Yeah. I did a uh, Kent State psychology degree uh uh undergrad psychology you can't really do anything and then i eventually ended up uh, moving out to seattle um started working at a, a startup um that did video games they did casual games um would, at that time it was like casual games for women what <laughs> women don't play games video games and um yeah and then that that uh, company did really well, and eventually I left that and started doing comedy. Comedy, cool, awesome. Because I do want to hear a little bit more about that. Because it seems like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you know comedy has played a role in the various stages of your life, and um, like uh, understanding that you're a transgender woman is part of it, but also like. How is it related to your battle with depression and the whole sort of journey towards where you are now and like leaving the video game job and pursuing comedy as your main focus? Or was it the other way and was it that journey that then led you to comedy? Yeah, it was, oh, there's the puppy, sorry. Um, it was coming out as transgender kind of um, awakened uh, uh, the love of comedy and um, gave me the chutzpah, I guess. I, I, part, of it, part of it was like, you know, I, I lived as, with this, you know, boy persona for so long. I felt, you know, like a depression my whole life. And then becoming unshackled from that uh, kind of gave me the... the um, you know, I, I was just like, I got to do this, you know, I got to live my life and I got to kind of just, I'm just going to push hard and, and try to do something that I've always loved ever since I was a kid. I loved comedy. Um, and yeah, so I really loved comedy when I was growing up. I loved Monty Python, uh, Steve Martin, um, Stephen Wright, and then at some, some point, the whole thing died. <laughs> I don't know why. I never pursued it. And, and um, I just, I, I don't know why. I, I, I did, like, I did radio in high school. Um, I was, a, like, a DJ, and I really enjoyed that. And that kind of opened things up in high school where I was doing, like, assembly stuff, um, um, emceeing talent shows and things of that nature and all that kind of I did really well with that but then like I, once I left high school is I just didn't pursue it um until I came out as transgender and I was like oh yeah I, and I watched Miss I'm sorry to say this I watched the marvelous Miss Maisel oh <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that show, like, kind of is geared towards, you know, glamorizing the life of a comedian. Um, so I think it's natural to, like, 
have that be a factor. Would you say that other than Miss Maisel, was there any, like, defining event maybe that was, like, oh, comedy? No. No, I swear to God, it was like, I was watching that show uh, and there was a, um, there was one of the early episodes where Joel was doing a bit on stage and it was Bob Newhart. And I was like, what? This is Bob Newhart. Like I, I knew the bit and I was like, oh yeah. Uh-oh. No, this is the foster cat. This is the, the homicidal one. one. Um, I knew the bit and I was like oh yeah that's right I used to just freaking love comedy I used to be a comedy nerd and and that was like oh yeah and then there was all you know in this Maisel you know you see kind of the how the sausage is made and I was like I want to take a comedy class and then I took a comedy class in Seattle and um, I loved it I really, uh, I loved it. That's awesome. Like from from day one, I remember seeing the microphone on the stand in front of the class, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna sit up there and talk into that microphone, <laughs> just like a real comedian. <laughs> well, um, let me ask you too. Um, how long have you been kind of uh, pursuing comedy for? Or I guess that would be like, how long ago was the class? Uh, two and a half years ago. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. But it kind of makes a lot of sense to me, though, the timing of everything with your journey, because I have found personally that, like, with the character Mrs. Maisel and just, like, the various comedians that I've met who I find funny or I find have been more successful, one of the things that they all have in common is, like, you have to be very sure of your identity and your point of view and like your voice so um that kind of uh uh seems kind like of... it would be relevant <laughs> you know yeah yeah i'll take that i'll take that as a compliment thank you oh it totally was <laughs> <laughs> yeah i kind of feel like i mean comedy like we've talked before about like comedy with other female comedians like that we've talked to about comedy kind of being a boys club but also being on stage is in some ways the great equalizer because you're so vulnerable up there that like it just takes a certain like push within yourself to get up there you know and like i don't know i i feel like once you become comfortable with yourself it's it's a lot easier to go up there even if it's like I mean, like with uh, when we had Desiree Walsh on, she talked about like, oh, you know, I walked in and it seemed like all these guys were all best friends. They were talking to each other and stuff. And I felt really intimidated. And then she went on stage and just started making fun of them for being walkies because she's a wheelchair user. Oh, <laughs> and it, it was that was good. So it, it's kind of cool to see how how kind of that vulnerability also gives you strength, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you let it all out and you're just like, here's this, you know, and, and I don't know, make, make you can poke fun of yourself or, or not or whatever, you're, you're presenting it to everybody and you're making that choice. So that's empowering. Yeah. Um, so if anybody, you know, I don't know, makes fun of you, pokes fun of you, it's, 
I don't know. I guess then it, then it's then it hurts because it's actually you. But I don't know. I, <laughs> well, it's like yeah. It's I think it's also weird because it's like I was initially very much the same uh, train of thought as Roz, where it's like anytime like. I, like, I didn't do, like, a ton of stand-up before, like, Zoom comedy became a thing, but, like, when I did, I was, like, very much, like, oh, my God, this makes me feel so vulnerable. But then, um, I think it was, like, this last summer I was talking to somebody, and they really kind of, like, opened my eyes. It's, like, it's also, you know, very empowering, and just, like, any time you're put in a situation like that where it's, like, you have been given a hundred percent of the attention of the people in the room to say whatever you want to say and all you have to do with that is make them laugh and that's just like 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 i didn't realize it at the time but like looking back on it like wow that's actually like a really powerful thing and like also something that's like you know got to be careful like uh you know telling jokes and it's like okay can i say this about this person and like because you're only telling one side of a story. Um, which right, I think right. is just like... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, no, it's a powerful thing. And, and it can be used for evil, I guess, uh, uh, <laughs> if you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because you are presenting your, your side and there's only one side to that, that story, your perspective. Yeah. yeah, it's like, might as well be given a speech at a rally. I'm getting into politics is what I'm trying to say. Vote for me. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, that's Brooks's thing. Um, but, um, okay. Um, so I'll move on to the next question. Um, it seems like influenced by your journey, you've uh, kind of branded yourself around your identity as a trans woman. So what are some of the main challenges, um, if any, uh, that you have encountered because of this in your comedy, um, and have there been any benefits? What would they be? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. Well, there's no getting around it, right? Like, I, I do need to get that out there that I'm a trans person. Um, I start every set, you know, hi, I'm Aaron Moore, I'm a trans woman, because it needs to get said but i do focus a lot of my comedy on on that um i hope that it's like a jumping off point for other things um like the gender politics and 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 whatnot um and i guess i guess limiting wise I guess it, it, it does limit it, limit myself to only talking about that, though I, I never really feel like I'm, I am limited in that way. I love talking about transgender stuff. I'm still, I'm, I only trans transitioned four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I started taking hormones June of like this, of, of 2000. 17. Mm. Um, so it's all kind of, I'm still processing. I mean, there's just so much change that happened or that has happened and is continuing to happen. Um, I'm still processing it. So this is kind of part of my 
uh, journey, to use that kind of overused um, word. Um, it's 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 kind of a, a way for me to process all the stuff and and figure it out and um, uh, uh, understand it better and 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 internalize it too because I'm still internalizing even you know four years later um, you know I I surprised myself a lot when I you know, get to the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I never even thought about being trans once today. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's constant. It's like always um, around me. And, and I have had people, I had a producer, um, a booker, producer type person um, tell me that, you know, the trans thing is kind of done. <laughs> um, Tell that to the uh, how many trans people in the world? We don't even know. <laughs> I know, I know. There's like, yeah, kids. There's still the bathroom debate. There's still kids who can't, you know, play on their, their soccer team. You know, all this stuff that's still going on. So I don't know how it's done, but whatever. Um, well, it's kind. Of once again, not the psychotic cat. This is the posture. Sick <laughs> cat. Um, well, it's kind of interesting because when you when you say like Mrs. Maisel was kind of your muse into like stepping into the world of comedy, it sounds like you mirror a lot of the emotions that I think that show tries to convey with like the, you know, like I don't truly a hundred percent process like what I'm thinking and what I'm going through until I'm like on stage and then mm -hmm. I have time. You know oh uh, yeah yeah totally she does i mean that's like how she started right like she yeah. got up there and spewed out what was on her head on her mind yeah yeah uh, kind of interesting parallel there <laughs> i like that thank you yeah. ross yeah yeah totally um yeah awesome it's good i know there's a lot of trans comics that just like i don't want to talk about trans stuff and it's probably yeah, that's fine. Um, and they're probably further along than I am. Maybe I. What, who, what, you can't compare yourself to other people. It's a, a losing game. Well, and I think it's just like with anything else. It's like something that is really like about you that you're presenting to an audience, which is I think why, at least from. The clips I saw, it seems to be like very well received because I think that so much of comedy is just, you know, really what we're doing on stage is like, I'm going to be friends with this audience for however long my set is. And one of the best ways to do that is just like what we've been saying as far as like putting yourself out there and just like, just being very quickly like, oh, there goes my camera. Um, like, this is my deal. Oh, <laughs> like, let me tell you about some trippy, dippy comedy stuff. Very <laughs> great. Um, this is also great because, um, and I've gotten this comment from some people who listen to the podcast, but I really have to be careful and make sure I describe these moments that are visual for those <laughs> listening. Um, my camera went blurry for a second, and we're back. <laughs> Go. But 
Okay, awesome. Um, And then, uh, kind of like jumping off of that, um, and Roz kind of mentioned this a little bit uh, in reference with our interview with uh, Desiree before, but um, the comedy scene is kind of infamous for being dominated by cis straight white men. Um, But with everything at the pandemic, how do you feel the trend towards virtual comedy has affected this? Do you feel like reception in a virtual environment versus a live one has been better, worse? Uh, Definitely better. Um, It feels like the ratio uh, has, I I, I wouldn't even say it's flipped. From my my experience, it's it feels like there is is a lot more, um, you know, female uh, comedians and um, you know, not we'll just say non cis male comedians. Um, it feels like they a lot of cis male comedians have just kind of haven't embraced Zoom as comedy as much as. Um, everybody else. Um, that's kind of been my experience. What do you, what do you guys think? I, mean, is- I think uh, it's definitely a lot of what you said. I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of things as far as like, there's two sides to this as with anything, but like accessibility. So we have uh, people who either because they live in more rural areas and didn't have access to like comedy open mics before now able to access them but then the flip side to that is like "Mm, if you have an internet connection which like surprisingly large parts of the country and other parts of the world don't so it's still kind of limiting in that way um but i think that overall it's a better ratio than what we were seeing in live venues yeah. Really? And I think that, I don't know, at least from what I've kind of gathered from the various female comedians that I've talked to, not just on this show, but like through, you know, meeting them at various open mics and stuff, it's like a lot of them did express that like one of the things was that um, as opposed to a live mic, when someone's being a shitty asshole, you can just close your laptop or turn off your camera or whatever and just like the real threat sometimes of like just physical violence (laughs) um because like of course like some of these bars are like a little bit seedy or whatever so i mean overall i personally like prefer the zoom stuff if only for like my commute and of course for like being able to hear you know, these more diverse voices, and I'm kind of hoping that um, it's building this online community so that when things open up again, it, like, translates into the real world, and then we just have, like, this flood of new people now doing live mics, and I I believe uh, you are also in uh, Displaced Comedians, and I'm, like, all about whenever there's that convention, like, we are gonna have, like, a (laughs) series of tables set up from all the different open mics and <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> totally so are you you really embraced it once the pandemic hit like you said you you had done um a few open mics before the pandemic and then 
once the pandemic started, it seems like you've, you're kind of like off to the races. You started your own open mic and, and this show and yeah. I'm also like, um, I'm a theater person normally, like I work at a theater company when things are open. And this was kind of a way for me to fill that a little bit. Um, uh, right, and right, also right. because um, I have to stay busy so that I don't have to be alone with my thoughts. Um, so this is why uh, this and many other shows happened. Um, that feeling, no, well. Yeah. Okay. But I don't cool. know. Am I totally off base, Roz, as far as like, I, that I mean, experience? I don't want to like be talking about, like, this is how women feel in comedy. So so here comes my obligatory every episode. I have to mention that my partner owns a bar where we have right. Monday night comedy, yeah. open mic comedy night. <laughs> and we've been bar we before the pandemic, we're supposed to close. Uh, we, we were bartending every single Monday. Um, for like a few months and I really liked bartending comedians surprisingly better tippers than you think they would be um okay. <laughs> yeah. all right yeah um but I never got on stage because it's such a boys club and like on top of being a woman like I have really extreme social anxiety so like for me being in front of my computer and just talking is a million times easier um to perform than than if i'm in front of actual people like if for when tom and i were on an improv troupe for a long time together and for you know the first like year or two i couldn't look at the audience i just had to be like completely in the scene the whole time mm-hmm. um my trick now is to not wear my glasses uh which we talked about <laughs> a few shows ago um <laughs> But yeah, but also too, you know, if I'm a woman and I want to go to just a random comedy open open mic night, I'm not going unless I can get a friend. And yeah, from totally. bartending those, I can tell there are plenty of dudes that feel comfortable enough to go there by themselves, sip a soda for five hours, and then go on last, and they, they feel like they did a good job. So I do think there's that gap there. Um, that doesn't exist when zoom is in the picture um yeah yeah, Yeah. and it's i mean it's a personal challenge for me like when the pandemic's over and you know it's time to start doing live stuff again it's going to take me some time to to adjust doing live stuff again definitely yeah yeah i i have done a few open mics where I've, i've been the only woman in the room and it's been it's gone from uncomfortable to scary, you know, feeling, you know, well, I had one where there was, it was this very small room. I had about five, five guys in the room and they all wanted to run their transgender jokes by me. A bunch of five cis dudes all running their jokes by me. Is this okay? Is, is all right? Is that, is that, okay to say that and and they weren't but i i felt so unsafe i was like yeah it's it's okay yeah (laughs) and i walked out of there i was honestly i was in i was i went in my car and i i was in tears because i felt like god i should just you know i should have told those guys that those jokes weren't right and you should treat transgender women better but i was just so scared yeah i was going to get the 
fuck out of there. Um, you know, we all fit like I know I fantasize like going back to times and like dudes were were shitty to me like I'm in the shower and I'm like and I'm gonna next time this happens I'm gonna punch him in the face and tell him he's a fucking loser <laughs> and and then like when when it happens in person I'm like okay and then I'll go find the closest man that I trust you know oh, like God. it's it's definitely a challenge when you're a woman and I'm sure particularly a trans woman to to deal with those interactions I mean. And I think that's a very realistic thing that people don't necessarily talk about in a performing context as much. Mm -hmm. um, that there is like when when your target venue is like a nightclub where people are drinking, then there's an extra barrier there um, mm -hmm. that is kind of like unseen by a lot of people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But like, I love that story. I totally relate to that as like another uh, LGBT member. Like I have had that same experience where people are like, is this gay joke okay? And then it's like, yeah, you feel awkward because it's like, then if I don't say that it's okay, then I'm like the comedian that can't take a joke and like be in the buzzkill in oh, the yeah. room. Totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, it's tight. It's just about, it's you know, It's just a whatever. joke. It's not even about that. And it's like... And then, yeah, then you feel you guilty afterwards if you it. don't say anything, because then it's like, I am not doing my community, like, I'm doing them a disservice by not yes. standing up for what I actually believe. And it's just like, I'm also trying to, like, break into the comedy scene and network and make friends. It's like, it's a whole hodgepodge of, like, there's no way you can win, let yeah. alone on top of the, like, you're asking me this question in the first place as if I represent the entire community <laughs> I am the gay. Um, you're, not the, you're not the gay spokesman. I thought you were elected last year during the meetings. No, we had to. Uh, oh, okay. uh, we had a recount, and then uh, it was. Oh, um, I think it was James well. Charles or somebody. Um, yeah. Charles. I don't James know. Charles. I was trying to think of like a thing off the top of my head. Uh, it didn't work out. Uh, but um, yeah, so I, I appreciate you telling that story because it's also like. I yeah. feel like because I've surrounded myself so much with uh, comedians and like for the most part, the majority of them are still like cis straight white men. And then like I don't have like a lot of that at work either. So I also get stuck in a rut of like where I think that these are all things that only happen to me. And it's like my specific experience. So I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. just me. <laughs> No, no, it's not. It, yeah, it puts us in just such a terrible position. Yeah. Mm, great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would uh, take a sip of my water, but right now I only fun. have two hot, spicy chicken sandwiches from McDonald's, and I can't take a sip of those. Um, so we'll just go on. I will, say, I will say, though, as the partner of someone who runs a club where they have comedy night, the sexiest thing I've ever seen my boyfriend do is kick someone out for telling a trans joke because he had trans staff like working there that night. He just went up and was like, get the fuck out of here. And I was like, yeah. I go oh, that's so good. Yeah. I, I mean, I have mics where I go to, there are mics that I know that are safe run by people who would do, who have done just that. And it's just like, ah, yeah. oh, oh, you're so. It's a sigh of relief for sure. Yeah. And it's um, definitely something like as if someone who's who's experiencing some of these things is watching, if you start to get note to know more comedians, they can give you tips about which mics to go to and which mics to avoid if you're feeling uncomfortable. 
And nine times out of 10, if you're not asking a cis het white dude, they'll understand why you're asking. I promise. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. There are, there are safe, you know, LA, we've got tons of open mics, but there are good ones and there are bad ones. Um, and there's no way of knowing unless you, you know, go or meet somebody and get the, get the lowdown. Totally. Well, if anybody wants to know good mics in LA, go ahead and reach out to me. Yeah. I was actually I just going to ask, um, how would you describe the LA comedy scene? Um, so I know Seattle and I know LA. Um, I'm not, not like, no, no. I was like one year in Seattle and one year, two years, one real year, one this year. <laughs> that's that's the real. theme for 2020. I think that's uh, very on point. Years mean nothing anymore. We're all post time now. We just exist in a endless dimension. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, like, um, there are tons, you can do an, a mic, open mic, any, virtually any time of the day. You can find a place to go and do comedy. Um, it's hard. You have to, generally, you have to pay or buy something, buy a drink, which sucks. Um, and everybody's jaded. Everybody's really good. Like, like they were fantastic. I mean, there were really good comedians in Seattle. And they all hate and... themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and, but there was like some really poor comedians, you know, like people who are just struggling, you know, or just trying it out and not really taking this, nothing but the top tier here in LA. And so everybody is, I don't know, it's really hard to, to like stand out. It's really hard. Um, you don't get the, the reactions. Everybody's very jaded and very like into their own thing. And so you don't get um, the feedback that I got up in Seattle. Like I did a, a couple, I went back to Seattle um, after being in LA for like a year-ish or nine months and I did a show and the, the crowd laughed and I was just like, <gasps> Oh my God, let's laugh. That's like crowd laughing. Oh my it just, it knocked me back. It literally knocked me back. And um, yeah, yeah, you just gotta, you know, for me, you just gotta adjust your levels and, you know, get a tittering of laughter. Well, wow, that's, that's gonna kill and, you know, everywhere else. Not so much. It kind of um, seems like a good training ground that way, as far as like it being really intense. And then when you go to the rest of the world, you're like, oh man, the ankle weights are off and now I'm running so fast. Yeah. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. I, I had a lot of people, um, you know, were like, yeah, I don't want to move to LA. I, I moved to LA after doing comedy. I moved to LA to do comedy after doing comedy in Seattle after nine months. Um, and I, a lot of people who thought that was, well, I had one person tell me he was fucking stupid. So, um, because people are like, first you get really good, then you move to LA, you know, and then your career takes off from there. But you can do comedy here. You can get better in LA. I mean, 
there's lots of people who start off in LA and get really good. So, um, I don't know. I like it. The weather's good. <laughs> Which is like a big factor for the live mics, I hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You hear? <laughs> yeah, I hear. Uh, we'll get out there one day, but okay. That's oh, you should. You should. Let me know. Well, I remember like I, I did one open mic live that I felt like I did a really good job at, and it was my first one. I think a lot of it was just like the adrenaline rush of doing it for the first time, and I probably wasn't understanding that going. Um, and then the second time, I feel like I just bombed. <laughs> um, which, like, to be fair, it wasn't like too bad relatively. It was like only a room of like seven people, and like half of them were comics, um, as as is the story with many an open mic but you know uh that was enough to uh turn me off till uh this year <laughs> so um yeah, yeah uh bombing I, hurts man. well i can see how like people may be like then intimidated if the la scene is so intense um for like those newbies who may be a little bit discouraged or are like very me epitome like millennial is like if i don't do a good job at it right away i have to develop a skill i have to wait i have to work at it no let's go let's jump into it right away and already <laughs> be perfect um but uh nonetheless probably if i am shying away from it for uh those reasons who knows maybe that means <laughs> la would be like the best thing for my comedy um to get over that i find that like a lot of the time Following the fear is how you, like, really overcome something. Yeah, yeah. And there's a ton of really, I mean, you just got to look, and there's a ton of really supportive mics here, too. Like, there's a women's mic here during normal times that I would go every week. And it was just uh, so supportive. It felt like, it just felt amazing. You know, I would do my other mics and, and that's work, you know, and then go and do the women's mic and that was fun. And it charged me up so I could go and do the other shitty marks and get the <laughs> get you know, you crap beat out of me and then go back and do it again. Yeah. Have you found that there are any like virtual comedy clubs since, you know, the whole Zoom takeover that kind of give you a similar feeling where it's like, this is my room? I do, I work a lot with uh, flappers in Burbank. And I was That's working... the one that pops up a lot on this show, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love them. I, I was doing a lot of their shows before the pandemic and then afterwards, you know. I, um, so, I don't know, like a couple, um, like one every other week or something, averaging maybe? And it's okay, you know, sometimes we get crowds, sometimes we get seven people. Um, Crickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. Um, I have fun. Yeah. Ish. It's not the same. It's so not the same. <laughs> I think about that a little bit. You just try to get through it. It's like, it's not a live mic, though. Which is fine. Which is yeah. fine. Um, it's like, we do this for approval. Where's the audience to give us the approval? I know. It's like, you just, I, you give and give and give and then get like, eh, little, 
tidbits back and then yeah then you're exhausted and, you know. everyone's like everyone's like cameras off and muted because they're not wearing pants and they're screaming at their children or whatever the hell's going on and you're just like maybe maybe that joke landed i'm so proud of it maybe yeah. no one's laughing because it was really funny but they're on mute you know well yeah and i i did i um i did a virtual mic last week where it was like it was actually like a good house like 50 people who were not comedians just there to watch the show but then also there was like i guess for whatever technical reasons it was like the organization had all the audience members they could have their cameras on but mics on mute and i'm like it is great to see people laughing but the sound is really i, I don't know what i react to yeah it's messed up it's um, it's 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 good practice like it's it's a good mm -hmm. to because you, you have to build a certain confidence in every joke that you didn't really have to have you don't really have to have in a live setting because you you tell the joke and immediately you get the laughter but with zoom you have to wait you have to give each joke a second and and hope and pray that it lands so it, it gives you like for you know it feels like to me you you have to believe in that joke that's going to land and you just go and you know let it go and then move on to the next one yeah i almost yeah. like i've been thinking of my sets a little bit more like i'm going to do this comedic monologue <laughs> and it because otherwise also on the other side of it, if I'm in a room and I'm surprised and there is, like, laughter in a very engaged audience, then I'd, like, will get thrown off because I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. So I think, like, just practicing as if every single joke is going to be met with silence may be, like, another type of ankle weight that then when I have an actual reactive audience, it will be that much more effective. Yeah hopefully. Yeah. Or I've been practicing all these jokes to silence, and I will be met with silence. <laughs> In either case, I will be prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I always, you know, like the guys, I always, you know, I'll laugh at my own. You know, if, if I get told the crickets, I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I still like my funny. joke. Yeah. <laughs> I still think I'm funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, honestly, I mean, Tom and I were in the same improv troupe for like seven years, and mm. I mean, especially for me as someone with like, I can't stress this enough, severe anxiety. Like I probably took away more from the really legendarily bad shows where like no one laughed and the audience was just like, like that the whole time. Mm -hmm. Because I, I like, I was like, first of all, there's a bar I can compare it to. So I could be like, well, that show sucked, but it wasn't as bad as that show, you know? Yeah. But also <laughs> like, you realize that you can perform your way through it, even if it's like tanking and you're shitting bed. And I think that's something that's really important to remember is like, yeah. you can you can just push through it. It's gonna suck. You're probably gonna go home and maybe cry a little, but it's fine. Eat your ice cream, wake up tomorrow and go to another mic. It'll be better, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that whole performing through it, you know, and learning it's not the end of the world. Like you'll, you'll survive, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it teaches you to um, take chances, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, on that a little bit, um, I did also want to ask you, um, 
So one of the things that I've seen and I love about your comedy um, is your ability to remain relatable while representing a view that's less represented. And, and it's uh, one of the powerful abilities of comedy to frame things so that people can like actually have a conversation about it. Um, so how do you kind of go about creating that relationship with an audience? Um, and if you have any advice for comics who are trying to um, kind of create that strong voice for themselves. How do you how do you find that? I don't know. <laughs> how do you figure out who you are as a person? I I don't know. I think part of it might be uh, you know being vulnerable and 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 kind of presenting. And I think we touched on this. Or you, you you touched on this earlier. Just um, letting it all hang out. Um, and presenting um, yourself uh, as much as possible. Um, I don't know. Part of it might be because I'm old and I, I I care a lot less. You know, <laughs> that's, that's my advice. Get old. Get old. Yeah. Stop Just caring. Old. <laughs> Just stop giving a fuck. Like. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I spent my whole, so much of my life um, worrying about what, you know, what this looked like, my facade and, and um, putting on this mask that wasn't me. I, I think that's, that has got to be part of it. Mm -hmm. um, it was so freeing um, to finally be myself that I want to, I want to share it with everybody. I think I don't, <laughs> I just want to show off everything. Just expose <laughs> myself to the world. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I'll ask you um, this then too. How like you balance and maybe, I don't know, you make have all the answers for me, Aaron. That's what I want. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting because I think vulnerability is always so much a huge part of the conversation of like doing comedy effectively. But then like on the opposite side of that spectrum, like some of my favorite comics are the ones who are like big into doing the character stuff. Um, and I wonder then like, you know, the balance of like either finding vulnerability in your character or like how much of it is like a mask and, you know, doing that while still being able to connect with them on a real level, because I still think that that has to be an essential part of it. But now that I start talking, I'm also like, that wasn't really a question. <laughs> I just took a class not too long ago, and it was about developing a persona. And part of that class was essentially like, name a, a, an aspect of your persona that uh, somebody would like to see changed in you or like just name an aspect of your persona that is bad and that is your comic persona and i think that's might be a little bit what you're looking at because you know if you're if you're mining that that awfulness about your yourself you're being vulnerable and you're developing like a, a persona it's a, it's a, a way to it's it's your point of view it's your yeah, oh, it's like yeah. it's like a layer of self-awareness too, 
mixed with like maybe like a little bit of exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, exaggerate I've, I've, the horrible things about myself, and I'll be fine. Right. <laughs> I I've been I've been trying. I've been writing a little bit more about like kind of developing a little bit more of like I'm stuck on myself kind of persona um, where I'm, I'm just like, you know, totally vain, which isn't kind of really me, but it is, but it isn't, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to keep going in that vein, but it's been fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there have been jokes that I've written that I'm like, oh, God, I can't, I don't know if I can do this. It's just so, it's so raw, you know, it's so close to me um, that I don't know if I can do it. And I, I haven't done it. I, but there have been some that I've, I've just like, fuck it, let's just do it. You know, let's just take it to this one mic that I know everybody loves, you know, that all my friends show up at. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's really how I've gotten to be more vulnerable is just just tr- trying it, you know, doing the open mics with my friends and putting it out there. And when it works, it works. I keep doing it. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's another point of like how important, you know, comedy is not just for like the giving a platform for all voices, but also just like the place that they have in and the role that they have in society as like builders of community um just because they're kind of like little watering holes for uh <laughs> people to like hang yeah. out it's hard <laughs> yeah. making friends as an adult comedy clubs was like the only thing um yeah 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 and yeah, i know having that environment to grow and like be safe about it is definitely i think an element necessary part um, yeah, totally. Uh, okay, uh, then going into that, I'm trying to like smoothly transition as we get into our last <laughs> couple of uh, questions. But uh, is there anything you'd like to talk about, or is there anything uh, you want audiences to know about you uh, before we move on to the final question? Um, I don't. That's like I'm... the most open-ended question. <laughs> I, I, it was meant to be. I was like, I, I feel like I always dominate the conversation, and I'm like, did our? I worry like after the fact that I'm like, did my guests even get to talk about what they wanted to talk about, or did I just like shove no, questions out the whole time? Yeah, no, that's great. That's that's great. I do, I do. Um, I guess I, I do a weekly show with a couple friends of mine, a couple of comedian friends of mine, um, and um, with Frog Valley is the name of the show and um it's fun and we're silly and we kind of do kind of improv stuff and then we do sets and then then that's it um so look for it on youtube and facebook YouTube. that's my part i'm yeah I'm, I'm doing my best to plug here i'm probably you're good terrible <laughs> i'll take a shot at it on our outro too it was called froggy frog valley frog, frog. valley Frog Valley. Yeah, I live in the valley. One of the other girls lives in Frogtown. Are are those neighborhoods? Yeah. <laughs> to double check. It's like oh, it's yeah. not in front of context. Valley girl. That's that's one of the most important pop culture experiences in my life. Oh yeah. yeah. Now that you say Valley girl, that makes sense. Um, I hadn't heard the frog one before. 
Um, <laughs> Prince of Valley Girl. <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay then, but um, then that brings us to our last question. We ask every comic. Um, this could be an opportunity to plug more too, but it's what's up next for you? Um, both the stuff, the stuff that's uh, coming up soon, um, but then also like, do you have any long-term goals in respect for your comedy career? Like, what is the ultimate like? dream with comedy um, um upcoming i've got i've got a headlining show this saturday at flappers um really excited about that um it's my second headlining show ever at a comedy club and what's okay. the easiest way to, to see you headline flappers um the easiest way to find that would be go to Go to my website. And there's a calendar on my website. Erinmore.com. E R I N M O H R.com. And um, yeah, tickets are available. And hey, if you buy a ticket, I will send you a snazzy sticker. Um, I saw them. Do, they look so good. Do you have one by any chance on I, you? Yeah, I'll send you one if you send me your, your mailing address. We're, Hell yeah. And yeah, show the show the audience. Oh, that's that looks so good. Ah, okay. oh, that's awesome. You, you also like have like girl. such a professional website. I'm like, ah, oh, goals, <laughs> marketing goals. One day. And like the matching canvas um, logo behind you on the shelf also <laughs> looks very cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, lo I love. Um, yeah. Oh, so uh, buy a ticket. Send me like follow me on some one of the social networks. Uh, yes, and get a sticker. And and send me DM me your address and I'll send you a sticker for free. Yay! Yay! Awesome! Awesome! Uh, with that, I'm gonna take us out and try and uh, remember a little reminder for some of the things you said. Um, but that's pretty much all the time we have for today. So I want to thank you, Erin, for being such a great guest and hanging out with us. Um, you can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Erin Moore Comedy. That's E-R-I-N-M-O-H-R Comedy. Um, as well as visit her website at erinmore.com. Also E-R-N-M-O-H-R. It'd be really weird if you, like, switched it up between. That would probably not be the best move. Um, <laughs> from a branding standpoint. <laughs> Not the best, but like as a bit, I guess I'd respect it. Um, <laughs> very Annie Kaufman. <laughs> but yeah, um, Brog Valley um, was on Wednesdays, correct? Saturdays. Saturdays? Saturdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. So Saturdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, we got Brog Valley Pacific. and then also, oh, sorry, Pacific? Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern? 8 p.m. Eastern. Right. It's three hours, whatever that math is. Um, and then headlining <laughs> for Flapper Show on Saturday. Um, and you can uh, also, if you enjoyed the stream, consider making a donation um, or following us on social media. Um, and you can find the links to those in the episode description. Uh, uh, thank you, of course, Roz, as always, for being a co-host. And uh, tune in next week. Uh, we are going to be bringing it back uh, local, kind of, um, at least to my area. Um, and we're going to interview DC-based uh, comedian Casey Hackett. Um, so 
that's it. Have a great night, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thanks, guys.